Gospel according to John chapter 10. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple, in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this beautiful day. Help us to open our hearts and minds to receive your word, to be nourished and guided by you, our good shepherd. In your name we pray, amen. Well, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, we have this beautiful stained glass window here, and this window uh, was donated and dedicated by the Hansen family. So good morning, Mark and Janet. Good to see you this morning. John, would you mind muting um, my lavalier mic, please? I'll use the uh, pulpit mic. Okay, thank you. Sorry about that, folks. Jesus said that he's the good shepherd. And he says that everyone who hears his voice will follow it. And never, ever perish. We might ask ourselves, how can that be? It seems almost too good to be true. Today is Mother's Day, 
And I do want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Motherhood's a very important vocation, probably the most important job of any human being. Motherhood is also extremely varied. There are many different kinds of moms. Once, a few years back, I was working with a couple who was getting married, doing premarital counseling and and officiating at their wedding. And we got to the part where we were talking about their families and who was going to walk who down the aisle. And the groom, um, when it was his turn, he said to me just quite directly and plainly, he says, I have one mom, and she is, in my life, my mom and my dad. That was it. He didn't consider her to be a single mom. There were no other qualifiers. She was the mother and father in his life that raised him, and she received that honor and acknowledgement in the service. There are so many different kinds of families and moms. Many women who don't necessarily have biological or legally adopted children are still mothers to children in their lives, taking on the role for caring for children. This is sometimes called other mothers. This is probably how Tabitha or Dorcas, it's a great name, right? Tabitha in Acts 9, was one of these kinds of other mothers to people. We find out about her in Acts 9 after she dies. And we learn that she was committed to doing good works and deeds of charity. And that's pretty much the definition of a mother, someone that does good deeds and acts of charity day after day after day. It's impressive how they treated her after she died. They washed Tabitha, bathed her, clothed her, and put her in a room for people to come and say goodbye. There must have been a lot of people that she affected in her life. They sent for Peter, the head apostle, during this time of sadness and mourning. They wanted him to be there to pay respects. When they get there, they make a point to show Peter all the clothing that Tabitha had made for them. Apparently, she was good at sewing. Then Peter asks everyone to get out of the room. And when he's alone with Tabitha's body, he says, Tabitha, get up. And she does. It's totally remarkable and almost unbelievable that Peter working through the Spirit, would have the power to bring someone back from the dead. Just last week, we were reading about Peter going fishing instead of being his work as a disciple, and Jesus calls him and says, you're up. You are the lead disciple, and he gives Peter the mantle of leadership. And so it's encouraging to know that it worked, and Peter, in fact, is now doing the work that Jesus had trained him to do. And it's good news for us as we baptized followers of Jesus are called to do the same thing. But I wonder why? 
What was the purpose of bringing Tabitha back to life? I think one possibility is that maybe there wasn't anyone who knew how to sew. What would Tabitha do with her new lease on life? I'd like to imagine that she started sewing classes. She started intentionally teaching all of the other people to be able to do the work that she wouldn't be able to do forever. But that's just speculation. What the text says is that once she was brought back to life, word spread throughout Joppa, and many people came to believe in the Lord Jesus because of this miracle. Many people accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What does that mean? When someone accepts Jesus as their Lord, their King, their Savior, sent from God, their Good Shepherd, it means we believe that Jesus and everything that he did for us, it means we believe that he died on the cross for our sin, rose again, and most of all, it means we believe that we're saved by grace, through faith, and not by our works. Tabitha was a woman of great faith. We know that she had faith because of how she lived her life with good deeds and acts of charity. And you know, to be honest, sometimes it's hard. It's hard to do good deeds and acts of charity. Sometimes people don't appreciate it. Sometimes we're tempted when we're doing an act of charity for someone, there's a little voice in our head that might say, they don't deserve it. They made a poor choice in their life. And that's why they need this help in the first place. But what enables someone like Tabitha or any of us to keep doing good deeds and acts of love is God's grace. We don't deserve God's grace and forgiveness, but God gives it to us anyway. And because of God's grace to us, we are able to give grace to others. So while the miracle of Tabitha coming back to life is certainly impressive, it's really just the icing on the cake. So many people came to believe in the Lord Jesus in Joppa, not because Tabitha was brought back from the dead. That was, again, just the icing on the cake. The reason so many people came to believe in the Lord was because of the days and months in years of Tabitha showing God's grace. She laid the groundwork. And then Peter came in at the end, and with a spark, faith was able to spread. Unfortunately, we live in a world that doesn't always appreciate the contributions of people like Tabitha. I recently read a book called I Bring the Voices of My People by Christian writer Chaniqua Walker Barnes. Walker Barnes in her book addresses the topic of racial reconciliation. And if you didn't know it, a lot of Christian authors have been writing about this in recent years, saying we need to do this, no, we need to do that, we need to do all these different things in order to heal the wounds of our past. And Walker Barnes, in her book, 
after she's read all of these other books, says, you know, a lot of good things have been said, but she says something's missing. We can't really have reconciliation between different races unless we also have a reconciliation between men and women. We must reconcile the gifts of women in our world, especially women of color, in order for there to be healing. One of the reasons why this can be a struggle is our age-old temptation of sin and works righteousness. Works righteousness is quick to both burden women with the essential tasks of caring for the most vulnerable and then quick to blame them for not earning, performing, or providing for themselves. Women and mothers who often do the most important jobs there are, like caring for children, are criticized when they don't measure up to standards in society. They're expected to do everything and get nothing in return. That's the logic of works righteousness. I remember one time this became clear to me. I was in seminary, and one of my classmates was a middle-aged woman, and we were talking about our backgrounds in church. And she was a single mother raising her children. And people asked her, well, how did you manage to take your kids to church every Sunday when you were a single mother and working multiple jobs to pay your rent? And she looked at us and she said, I didn't. I didn't take my kids to church. I wanted to, but I was too bone tired on Sunday mornings, the only day that I had to rest. I was lucky just to put food on the table and pay the rent. Now that I have more time on my hands, I'm able to go to church. That was a really sobering moment in my life. And it helped me to be a little bit more humble. It helped me to check myself when I or we are maybe at times tempted to pass judgment and criticize the fact that we don't always get to see as many families as we would like to see on a Sunday morning. We often tell stories about generations past when there were more children, more moms, more Sunday school, and there's a, a mourning and a sense of, of yearning for those days of the past. And yet, how could we do that when increasingly it gets more difficult to care for a family and to provide the things that they need? What if instead of us yearning and pining for those days of the past where it was easier for families to come to church on a Sunday morning, what if we took a note from Tabitha? What if we went and did acts of good deeds and charity to the women and the mothers who are out there providing and caring for those who are in need, both children and oftentimes the very elderly? What if we went out to them, brought communion to them, brought a good word? That would be sharing God's grace like Tabitha. 
You know, one of the time, biggest time consumers in domestic duties is laundry. Laundry takes an inordinate amount of time. Another thing that I learned along the way when I was in seminary, one summer I had to do clinical pastoral education. So every day I'd spend all day at a hospital visiting patients, praying with them. And I would had a long commute. You know, I was gone uh, 10, sometimes 12 hours a day. And I remember getting home and being tired and weary and emotionally drained. And we had two little kids. And not all the time, but a couple of times, the house was kind of messy. And I remember mentioning mentioning it to one of my colleagues, saying, "Wow, I just I was home, and I felt really frustrated because you know the laundry hadn't been folded, and it was just sitting there getting wrinkled." And my colleague said to me, "Maybe you need to start helping do the laundry," which is what I started to do. But you know, in all fairness, and maybe some of the the guys out there can relate to me, laundry can be intimidating. You know, how am I supposed to separate the clothing? Is it supposed to be hot water or cold water? How much detergent am I supposed to put in? I mean, there's a lot of, it's kind of complicated for simple-minded people like us. And that's why I get hope from our reading this morning from Revelation. In Revelation, it says that great multitude of people who are gathered around the throne of God, they're clothed in white. And John asks one of the elders, well, how, how, did, how come they're so, they're so pure, they're so clean? And he's told, they're the ones that made it through the great ordeal. And they're the ones who washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. And you might pause and ask yourself, how would dipping a piece of fabric in blood of a lamb make it come out white? How's that supposed to work? Well, that's exactly how it works. We, with our sloppy, failed attempts, God and God's grace makes them bear much fruit. Even if we're not good at first at doing something, just by trying and helping and making the effort, God will, through God's grace, make it shine. And it goes on in Revelation to say that not only will God take our somewhat sloppy attempts to help and make them sparkling clean, it also says that God will wipe away every tear that is shed from every person. And it's important to recognize and to make space on a day like this to recognize it's not always an easy day. There are memories to deal with. There's unrealized hopes. There's pains of loss. And with all of those different emotions, we can trust that our Lord is there for us, loving us unconditionally, wiping away all tears. And we can trust that there is a profound joy, a profound joy in our hearts that will flourish. Psalm 23 says that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. The Lord is our 
good shepherd, gently guiding us every day, and we will never be alone. Amen. We sing our hymn of the day, Yours, Lord, is the Glory, hymn 849.